2: Is it life imitating art or the other way around? A new Hallmark movie airing now, filmed in the village of Noang, has some interesting connections for brothers Andrew and Kevin Blacker. Plus, we take a look at other stories making the headlines from around the region. This is Connecticut East This Week. Hello, I'm Brian Scott-Smith. They say that life imitates art, but is that always the case? Recently, a new Hallmark movie was filmed in the sleepy southeastern Connecticut village of Noank, and two brothers, Kevin and Andrew Blacker, became very much part of the production process. And interestingly for Kevin, the storyline of the movie, taken from a novel, has many similarities to things going on in his life right now. So joining us on Connecticut East this week are the Blacker brothers, Andrew and Kevin Blacker of Noank. To you gentlemen, thank you ever so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having yeah, us thanks on. For right? having
2: us. We're going to be talking about a very exciting thing that happened to both of you and Noank recently. And that was being part of a Hallmark movie, not a Christmas movie as it happens, but it also it's, a, it's just like a summer movie. But we'll, we'll get into the full details of that because I know you've both got lots to tell us about your involvements in that. But we're actually sat inside Carson's, which is in Noank, which is the family business. And the reason we're mentioning that, and there's obviously a little bit of audio going on in the background as it's closing down for the day and cleaning up it stars in the movie but it got renamed didn't it Andrew?
1: It did yeah they renamed it the Sand Dollar Cafe and it's actually the main location for the movie they they shot quite a bit inside the store as well as outside and it, it kind of turned into the hub of the production company during the uh you know during the movie so we're really pleased to be a part of it
2: tell us a little bit about you know this family business because it's a beautiful old-fashioned sort of i don't know do i call it a diner or a cafe i mean we're sat here in a little booth and it's you know got all that sort of quaint americana all around us
1: yeah so you could call it a diner i think it's been referred to as a as a luncheonette originally was what they referred to it like a lunch counter restaurant and an ice cream soda fountain So our father has owned it since the late 1970s and uh, has worked to kind of just preserve it as, you know, a little time capsule of Americana and keep it going as, you know, a special place that people can gather and, and meet here in town.
2: When it comes to family business, sometimes it's not easy working with family, but we've got your brother here, Kevin, as well. I mean, so just explain to us, Kevin, as well. I mean, you know, what's your involvement with Carson's? Are you involved with this, or do you have other businesses, and it's, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, each of you have your own businesses?
3: So so Carson's is really, you know, my my brother runs Carson's, and my brother and my dad work, work on it together, and I help with all the family businesses you know- sol- solving problems, you know but this is Carson's is is definitely my brother's uh, you know business, and we do have a number of family businesses. I think we work real well as a team mm-hmm. you know I really you know pride our
2: family on that. It seems like it's a real central hub of Noank. I mean, Noank is, for anybody who doesn't know, it's quite a small, quaint, again, very American, sort of like New England. Uh, I, I, I'm going to use the word village um, because that's the sort of feel it gives to me. I mean, Carson's is, is clearly very well known here, and, and, and I'm getting very well patronized by the locals, and, and I'm sure people once the movie comes out it's going to get a lot of attention as well from outsiders
1: yeah I, I think it really is kind of like the you know the heart of the heart of the village and it's a place where you know, people come to kind of, you know, find out what's been going on. We've got a lot of seasonal, you know, seasonal people in town. And I think when they get back to town, they like being able to stop in and kind of, uh, you know, catch up on what's been going on while they were away for the winter. And, you know, even if you look at the sign, it says, you know, coffee, candy. And one of the things on there is conversation. And I think that, you know, it being a meeting place for people really is, uh, you know, one of the one of the biggest things it's got going. It's a place where you can go and you never know who you're going to run into and, uh, you know, you never know what you might hear is going on in town.
2: So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about the fact that uh, I believe one day somebody came in and spoke to you uh, about wanting to do a movie. So, you know, give us the, the reality of it and not my version of it.
1: Okay. so there was a man named Eric and he is the location scout for Hallmark. He came in and said that they were in the area and that they were going to be filming a movie for Hallmark and that he was looking at cafes, that they needed a cafe or a small restaurant that they could use and that they had narrowed it down to a list of the places that they were considering. And Carson's was one of the ones, uh, you know, he said that he really liked the small feel of it, the architecture that was in here, the kind of art deco uh, style, and that they thought it would make it, you know, a really nice set. So then he came back maybe a week or so later and said that they had chosen, you know, that, that they were interested and that they wanted to move forward with, with renting the store to use as the location. And uh, so at that point, he came back with maybe eight or ten different people in the production. There was like a set decorator and an exterior decorator and the head of photography. And it it was really a a pretty interesting group. And they kind of, you know, just did a little tour, walked around and kind of went through what they were what they were planning on doing and how they would
2: uh, how they were going to use the restaurant. And, you know, so that was how it got started. And to both of you, this question, I believe you both then helped out sort of like scouting other sort of like areas for them as well. Because although this was, as you said, it's like a, a, very, a very central part of it, they filmed in other areas as well, didn't they, Kevin? They filmed in another a number of other areas.
3: I think that an opportunity was presented, you, you know, an opportunity was presented. Andrew recognized the opportunity. And then, you know, we did as much as possible, you know, seize the opportunity by being, you know, as accommodating and as helpful as possible. Andrew set them up with, they needed a location to, you know, set up kind of, you know, their crew, and he, and he set them up with the historical society, and they were able to rent from the historical society. They needed more space. He set them up with the upstairs of uh, the Universals Market, and they rented from there. They needed a boat. He set them up with somebody with a boat. You know, basically, it was, was very helpful, and then at the store, very accommodating. They needed a patio
1: put in. You know, which are, you built, I believe. With, which you well, had to well build, my isn't? brother and a couple of a couple of his real good friends were, you know, so so helpful, and we couldn't have done it without them. I mean, they they worked around the clock, and it was it was a lot of work, but it, it came out really really nice. But again, it was something that you know, having my brother and having uh, you know the people that he knows, Vindalotta, and a few others, uh, you, you know, who are really skilled masons, and being able to to make it happen because it was like without them. You know, we couldn't have done that on our own. So, again, it, it really did work out having having someone like my brother to help with, with that. I think that being so, you know, helpful and
3: accommodating, you know, that, that kind of... right. We Eric, are... Eric told me yesterday, you know, he stopped in to thank and he dropped off a, a gift certificate for my dad. He actually just drove around town looking for us, and he came with a gift certificate to a Daniel Packer in to thank my dad. And he said when they first came... You know, they're looking for any 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 sign of hesitation, and he said there was no hesitation with us. And I, I know that from business. I'm always you know looking for hesitation. When you see hesitation, it's it's a red flag, and and uh, you know um, I think that an opportunity was presented and, and we got as much you know out of it as as we could not just for ourselves but
2: we we tried to, to yeah the firehouse you know, spread, the, it, yeah, spread it spread yeah, it around yeah. town what well, i was about to say i mean it's an old cliche but it really did take a village because the village of so like noank everybody got involved in this didn't they like you said because you know you try to spread the love around and uh, and certainly i mean they they clearly needed a, a lot of of space uh, here in the in this small place, let's talk a little bit more about um, the movie. It of course, it's Hallmark, so of course it's the the romantics like movies that we get to see. Often, of course, you know they are very like Christmassy. But like we said, this one isn't a Christmas movie. In fact, it's going to be out in June. But it's based on a, a 2015 novel called The Sand Dollar Cove, which interestingly, this place that we're sat inside Carson's. Got renamed the Sandola Dollar Cafe, didn't it? It did. Yep. How did you feel about, so sort of like, seeing the name change as well? Well, I mean, it was you know we we knew
1: it wasn't going to be permanent, and uh, if it had, it, it wouldn't have been something we would have been uh, you know quite as as quick to do. But because it was a temporary thing, we were okay with it. And I know it, you know it, it got a lot of people talking. We had people driving by when we were hanging the sign, and someone yelled, "You can't do that." And uh, yeah, people were know, getting real concerned. Yeah, you know, they thinking, that yeah, they thought we had we had people for, for real. People yeah. commenting, yeah. you know, how could you sell it? How could you change the name? And so I think, you know, there was initially some uh, some worry that you know for people who didn't know that it was for the movie that uh, that we were just changing it. And I think that it, it it's been here for so long, and that it is such an institution to the town that uh, it, you know something changing
2: changing the name like that really would be. You know, a shock to people because it's a it's a small place to basically hide a secret in, isn't it? Because yeah. I mean, often with like movies, they want to so like try and keep some stuff secret. But I mean, you know, when you start changing the name of you know some place that people know in in a small place like Noank, it's not going to go unnoticed at all, is it?
1: No, no. And it was the you know it was the sign on the front, so it wasn't like uh it, you know it was a discreet change. It would be one thing, you know. We were we were happy not to you know not to post about it or, or say too much, but you can't. Can't really hide the, uh, yeah, the the sign on the front they, of, of
3: they always, the building. They, they call it the Yankee Telegraph. Uh, you know, word of mouth, uh, and, and, it, and it
2: travels real, it travels real fast. You know, no internet needed. <laughs> now, the other interesting thing is, Andrew, you get to actually appear in the movie, but we won't necessarily recognize you because why?
1: So they were. Looking for a second person who was comfortable on a sailboat. One of the lead characters wasn't as comfortable sailing, and we grew up by the water. And, uh, you know, I'd taken sailing lessons at the yacht club right down the street when I was little. And so I actually had just gotten a haircut, was walking my son to the bus stop when they were filming in front of the store. Eric, who I I had uh, already been in contact with quite a few times, was talking to the director and one of the producers. And he messaged me about an hour later, and he said, "Dustin just said to me that you look just like Chad, and he said, "We need a double for Chad. Would you be interested in being Chad 's double in the sailing scene?" And I said, "Yeah, whatever uh, you, you know if it would help if it would help with the movie, that's our, our biggest concern, and I'd be happy to And so maybe three days later, they put me on a fifty one foot Hinckley <laughs> sailboat in Stonington Harbor. And they about, had me sailing around. It was windy that day, too. Yeah, it was, it was blowing, windy. And blowing. I said,
3: and when he got back, I said, so that you acted like you sailed the boat? And he said, no, I, I, I was actually
1: sailing the boat. You know, so like they went yeah, down below. Yeah, so the, you know, yeah. Right, the owner of the boat, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they got everything set up, and we were right by the breakwater in Stonington Borough, and then they had myself and uh, the female double both on, and they had a drone, and then we're filming from a Stonington Point out at the end of Stonington Borough. And so they filmed that. And then they actually ended up calling me back the next day because they wanted to film another boat scene on the dock at Ford's. And then they actually called me a third day because there was a dunk tank scene. And the, uh, the, the lead, lead character wasn't uh, necessarily wanting to be the first one to go into the dunk tank. Because it was cold. It yeah, was, it they was, were having it to
3: heat the water up with the lobster boiler. Right, it was, a, freezing. Yeah, it was yeah.
1: freezing cold. So yeah. so I, I volunteered to, to be the first one in the dunk tank. So they shot that scene basically when the camera is from behind. That's me. When it's facing the front, they shot it of him. So half of the dunk tank scene will be me, half will be
2: uh, will be him. Well, you're being very sort of like um, you're being very nice about it, and we're not into sort of like uh, knocking obviously the star, but we will reveal uh, the name of the actor. It's Chad Michael Murray who you actually are doubling for, and he is, as you say, one of the two main characters in the movie. Did you get a taste for for acting after all this? Because it's long hours as well, isn't it? It's not like a quick, like, let's just do a few shots and it's done. It's repetitive. And like you said, you know, in the water it's cold. I mean, there's a lot to this. It, yeah, did, it, I, did it give you a taste of acting it, at
1: all? It was, yeah. I had no idea how much... You know, goes into it, and it really gives you a a respect for you know just how much all of the actors and everybody you know involved in the production, just how how many hours they put and how much. And I actually got to spend some time with both of the actors. They were in they were in the store the first day. They were filming outside. They were in, you know, just to get warm. And we had coffee with them. And then they actually sent me up to the. The wardrobe they rented a house in mystic um, that they were using for for wardrobe, and so they sent me up there and we got to spend some time but it really uh, it, it was eye opening because I had never even thought or considered anything about acting and uh, it, it was impressive you know seeing seeing just how much goes into it.
2: So as we said, you know the the movie is based on the story The Sand Dollar Cove, which comes from a 2015 uh, novel by the same title by Nancy Nagel, and it's set in the fictional seaside town of Sand Dollar Cove, which of course is Noank on this occasion. Now the tale centres on a real estate development project manager whose company wants to build a resort on beachfront property, and she is tasked with acquiring the land but uh, a resident who holds the deed for that land though wants to keep the town's pier as it is now i've read all of that out for a good reason and also romantic sparks uh, fly that bit isn't actually happening at the moment for uh, for your brother kevin but the situation of course is kevin this sounds very similar to a fight that you're having currently with the connecticut port authority and state pier
3: it, it, it is a little funny uh you know when Ange told me about the, you know, he read the, you know, the plot of the movie. He said, uh, why steal to my, my journal? Yeah, after this had been, after this was, was lined up, and he's reading it to my cousins, you know, and because uh, they were all excited about Chad and Michael Murray, and uh, it was the first time I was hearing it, and it's like the, the guy trying to save the pier, and I just said, you know, that, that's kind of a coincidence, and you know, I, so it, it uh, no, it, it is interesting, yeah, definitely, uh, I guess, just a coincidence, yeah.
2: And how is that going without going too deeply into it? Because this is an entire different podcast if we start talking about it, because I know that the fight is still on. But how are you feeling about the situation?
3: Feeling very, very good. And another kind of very interesting coincidence is that the President of the United States, you know, Joe Biden, uh, is, is set to come to uh, the area for the Coast Guard commencement on uh, May 17th. The Port Authority uh, was planning a... Groundbreaking at State Pier, I'm told, for for May 23rd, and is attempting to uh, move that up to May 17th. Interestingly and coincidentally, uh, May 17th is also the day that I have to go to court, uh, you know, to face the uh, erroneous felony charges that the Port Authority
2: uh, concocted against me. So as I said, um, unlike the movie, no romantic sparks flying there. In fact, no love lost. I'm sure actually between all the parties at the moment. But uh, as I say, that's for another podcast. But it, it is, it does seem very interesting, does it not? You know that uh, you know the whole story has so many overtones uh, that you know obviously you've been able to connect to. Let's get back to to Andrew on this as well. I mean, you obviously had great fun, both of you as well, Kevin. You obviously had great fun being part of this, and uh, would you do it again if if they, you know, if another film company came to you? Because I mean, when you look around again for anybody who's not been to to, to Noank, it is beautiful. I mean, you know you've got all these beautiful old buildings and, you know, it's by the water. I mean, is it something that you would get involved in again if somebody else, say, another company came to you? Or maybe the same company?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, I would definitely be open you know to doing anything I think it was you know it was a it was a fun experience
2: and uh, what would you say was one of the biggest highlights for both of you because Kevin as we said you know you were involved in this as well but Andrew I mean what would you say was one of your biggest highlights out of this I
1: I would say at the very end so they were having uh they were having a carnival down at the town dock which is actually my brother's yard he lives you you know right where they were having the carnival and they Mm -hmm. We're filming, and it was getting towards the end of the night, and I said, I've been telling him all week because there was a 40-foot Ferris wheel down there, and so I told him, I, I said to Eric, I said, I really want to go on the Ferris wheel, and he got on the phone right then and called and said, go down there, go get on the Ferris wheel, and then... We, we, so we rode that they were filming in the background and there was uh, a band playing and I called my brother and I said do you want to go on the Ferris wheel so then they let him on and so we both got you know we're sitting at the at the dock where we used to go crabbing and swimming when we were little right you know right down the street and we're riding on a 40 foot Ferris wheel looking out at the water and just uh, wind was blowing yeah, the wind yeah, is the wind blowing is howling, and yeah. uh, the band that was playing w- was a kid that we went to school with this, uh, Will Evans and Barefoot uh, you know, he had the band Barefoot Truth, and so it was. It was just, you know, I looked over to Kevin and I said, "This we'll, we'll never see this happen again. We'll never see another 40-foot Ferris wheel or, you know, a giant carnival. And maybe, you know, maybe there'll be another, uh, you know, another movie that shot here. But we were talking, and the last one." You know, the last big one that we filmed was Mystic Pizza. They had shot down at Ford's, and we also you know drew some parallels because they used used that as well. But uh, it, it was just it was nice being able to you know sit at the top of the Ferris wheel and look down at everything that was going on, and just know that we got to be a part of it, and uh, you know got to kind of see everything behind
2: the scenes all the way through and be included. And Kevin, what about you? What was the highlight? Would you say out yeah, of the experience? There's,
3: there's no question that was it. Yeah, right, right in the, right in the Ferris <laughs> wheel. You know, that, that was. But and, and just seeing they did stuff. They did stuff that other people would think was not possible. Like they, they that that was amazing. Watching they they wanted to bring in a Ferris wheel. Right. They did everything they had to do, and they just, and just made, made it happen. happen. Yeah. and it was like that that was awesome a bunch of the stuff that they did it's like and they they put together a hundred people all working in in unison and you know it it was it was awesome like to watch
1: yeah just seeing how busy it was and how many people in town and you know the the village really was was lively and uh you know it was just neat seeing seeing so many people and so many things going on at one time and you know in a normally really really quiet uh a no quiet little corner so. it was like a week of, it was like a week or two weeks at camp like that's if you've ever been
3: to camp like that that's what it felt like yeah it's like it was the same I mean, in the same way it was the same type of let, let down you know in a way when it was uh yeah this over, week it, it was like you it, know it was like because you're back to the normal and i love Noank as it is but it doesn't change that like you know it right. was it was definitely something special and like uh you know that, that you knew was ending
1: and and we talked about it knowing you know at one point had the the palmer shipyard where knowing shipyard is and they employed over 600 you know 600 workers and so this was 100 and i said imagine what it must have been like here you know when just one of the businesses in town had 600 people and it you know it, it kind of made you picture and it's a sleepy little village now but th- what makes Noank special is the mix that there's businesses and houses that it's not just a housing development and that's what makes it so special that you've got you know mixed use and they keep everyone keeps talking about mixed uses where everyone wants to live because you've got you know places you can eat and things you can do where you live that it's walkable and this really was just you know it kind of gave you a glimpse into what Noank used to be like when it, you know when when it was in its heyday. When it was, uh, it, you know, a little working working seaport and a little village, not just a, you know, not just a housing community.
2: I think also when you walk around, and I'm sure there will be plenty of visitors, as I say, once the movie comes out, is it it feels like a film set anyway? Just walking around, and I know Kevin, you've said yeah. that yourself yes. that you feel that walking around because it's so quiet and it hasn't changed. And I think the other thing that's nice is. All the businesses here are small, local owned, they're not major corporations. As I say it is that classic American sort of like village feel.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I I I definitely agree and it's it's the you know, it's 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 special.
2: Well, to you both, thank you ever so much, and congratulations on pulling this off. I mean, it will be, I'm sure, a wonderful movie to watch when it comes out on June 26th. And uh, let's hope not too many of your parts get edited out as well, um, uh, Andrew. I'm sure that uh, they'll keep plenty of it in, because it sounds like you did quite a bit. I hope they paid generously <laughs> as well. But uh, to you both, to Kevin and Andrew Black of Noank, thank you ever so much for joining us on Connecticut East this week. Thanks, Thanks so for much. for having us. Yeah. And if you want to catch the new movie filmed in Noank, it's called Sand Dollar Cove and starts airing on June 26th on the Hallmark Movie Channel. Spring and summer are prime time for ticks that can spread Lyme disease and other infections. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention would like to remind you to wear bug repellent when outdoors, shower as soon as possible after coming indoors, and check your whole body for ticks every day. If you've been bitten by a tick and develop fever, rash, or fatigue, seek medical care. To learn more, visit www.cdc.gov slash
0: It's mulch season. So come and visit Green Valley Tree LLC. We have a variety of colors for all your landscaping needs. Buy as much or as little as you want. Pick it up or we can deliver to your door. Call Green Valley Tree LLC for all your mulch, plant health care, and tree service needs at 860-234-4041. Or find us at 577 Boston Post Road, North Windham, Connecticut. We are
2: family-owned and fully licensed. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making the headlines in the region recently. Steve Farrelly, the owner of Driven Enterprises, a salt business displaced by the Connecticut Port Authority to make way for redevelopment of State Pier in New London, is trying one last legal battle to bring his business back. Farrelly filed a notice of exception which stops a work permit being issued to the CPA for at least another month, claiming a previous legal decision ignored the fact his business was a water-dependent one, like two fishing businesses that have remained.
3: I was there for seven years, they were there for 25 years, but I still think both being classified as water-dependent users you know, they got what they deserved. And I think because my situation, directly being a sole competitor of Gateway and Gateway being involved in this deal, that the writing was on the wall, that Driven had to be basically shut down and
2: put out of business. Farrelly's June 10th legal filing puts in motion a timeline for both sides to file further briefs by July 2nd with oral arguments scheduled for July 14th. As debates whether law enforcement should march in pride parades, one gay police officer's social media posting about discrimination has gone viral. New London Police Officer Ryan Socio posted the personal message on the professional networking site LinkedIn about how he and his partner had been treated in the past by others. But Socio says he is also acutely aware of past events and what that means to people too. We haven't always been on the right side of history, you know, from... PE and enforcing
3: black codes to harassing the LGBT community for years in LGBT
2: establishments. So, you know, it's important for us in law enforcement to remember where we've come and how far we've come to where we are now. The post is being viewed by almost half a million people around the world with hundreds of positive messages from people from all walks of life and sexual orientation. The United Service Organizations, or USO, has opened a new center at the sub base in New London in almost two decades. Rebecca Parks is the USO president for the Northeast region and said it shows their continued commitment to military personnel.
0: New London Centre will be joining 40 other USO locations across the Northeast, from airport centres to the front lines, we go where they go. USO's future and that of the Northeast region specifically is tied closely to the partnerships we form with companies and civilians alike for supporting the efforts to bring the USO Centre back to Connecticut for the first time in over 20 years.
2: The USO is a nonprofit organization that has been in existence since 1941. Its mission is to provide support programs to help keep military personnel and their families connected wherever they are serving in the world. In the day this week, Governor Lamont signed a bill legalizing recreational cannabis on Tuesday, 22nd of June, surrounded by Democratic Party leaders and proponents of the legislation. Lamont's signature codifies the state's legislators' decision to approve adult use marijuana. Come July 1st, possession of marijuana will be legal in Connecticut and retail sales likely to be underway by May 2022. A month-long process to legalize marijuana, which some lawmakers noted had been decades in the making, at last reached a conclusion during the special session after an arduous back and forth between chambers. Legalise homegrown marijuana, opportunities for those impacted by drug laws and steep licensing fees for existing dispensaries are also included in the bill. In the Norwich Bulletin this week, a proposed state budget implementer bill that, if approved, would withhold funding from municipalities whose schools, both Native American mascots and logos, would not directly affect the budget of the Killingly School Board, which has sole discretion on the fate of a controversial mascot, but rather the town's revenue stream. Killingly is one of 12 municipalities in the state with a school whose mascot, the Killingly High School Redmen, fits the bill's definition that's all from us for this edition do send us your questions and story ideas to the show via our website at connecticut-east.com or facebook or twitter at connecticut east and on instagram at connecticut east this week where you can also listen to the show again on demand and please like follow and share on your social media platforms too i'm brian scott smith thank you for listening